The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Something I'll say about intention here. You, know, you described a situation where uh, you were kind of lost in thought and then um, uh, noticed that you stood and that that kind of brought you back into mindfulness, just that experience of standing. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why did I do that? And uh, a sense, too, of um, not feeling like you had an intention to stand. So not a conscious kind of, not a conscious choice that was made. Not a, a kind of a conscious, you, you were not aware of why you stood. You were not aware of the whole, that whole process. Um, and so this is a great thing to see and to notice that that happened. Um, because so much of what we do in our lives, I mean, every single moment, every single moment that we do anything, this gesture I'm making with my hand, there's an intention behind that. Uh, everything that we say, everything that we do with our bodies, um, has an intention that precedes it. And um, if we are not aware, habits, patterns will be motivating those intentions. Now, in this case, you interpreted in some ways um, that the, uh, the mind wanted to move out from under the, the fantasy or the, the daydream. To the, body the body, well, well but the body, the body, without the mind, the body is dead. It's the mind that motivates the body. Um, so there's, there's always a mental feedback in this process. There's, there's that the, the, the body will not move unless the mind pushes it to move. So, so uh, ex- except potentially for things like the, um, you know, the reflex, that kind of thing. But there is, that the, 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 the mind does this action. And it can be seen. Actually, we can know that. But if we are not aware of it, if we're not aware of it, then essentially our habits, our what, whatever has, our conditioning will, motiv- will motivate those intentions and we'll just act out of our conditioning. And sometimes that conditioning can be wholesome. Sometimes that conditioning can prompt actions that are out of compassion and kindness and care. And sometimes that conditioning, and a lot of the time that conditioning will, prompt, will be prompted out of habits of greed, aversion, confusion. Um, so just to, to kind of notice that there was this kind of impulse to act, impulse to stand, that you didn't notice, um, but that you did notice a little bit afterwards and recognized, wow, I didn't recognize that. Um, that can be a clue for us, you know, that we, that we missed a little bit. Uh, of of something going on and and that um, you know the more kind of continuous that mindfulness gets even in these little bursts that I talked about um, and if you continue with working with the the posture changes uh, and and kind of keep that going for the week probably what will start to happen is that you will start to see the little mental getting ready to stand the little kind of a kind of basically knowing or idea that you're going to do something before you do it. And in that moment of seeing that, in that moment of recognizing that impulse, we usually can also see the motivation, the reason why we're doing it. Um, and uh, it, that, that's where a, a big part of what the freedom the Buddha talks about, where the, the place where the freedom is possible is in seeing those moments of 
why we are acting in the moment. Is our, our actions motivated by compassion and love and kindness and wisdom? Or are they motivated by greed, aversion, delusion? And when we can see that, seeing that intention, so what, what you noticed is that, after the fact, is that you were unaware of that impulse to act, to stand. And so the action happened. Um, when we can see the impulse, there's just like a split second where we can choose, do I do that or not? And so this, this kind of exploration, particularly around posture changes, is, is a really interesting one because it's, it's kind of more of a, of a gross uh, activity. It's a big activity to go from sitting to standing. And so that kind of impulse of the mind to, um, to prompt that movement is easier to see than something like this subtle gesture of the hand or, or the kind of the lifting of the foot in walking, the, the, the shifting of, um, of major postures is an easier place to catch that little prompt of, oh, about to stand, getting ready to stand. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes that intention is not going to be visible to us, even if we are continuously mindful. I had one experience on a retreat, so the mindfulness was pretty strong. And I was, in, I was in a dining hall, and I was carrying a glass of water to my seat. Um, and I had the glass of water in my hand, and I was walking, and I watched, I watched myself shift the glass from one hand to the other. I was like, why did I do that? You know, I was, I was mindful there. I, I was very aware of walking. I was aware of what was happening. And I saw this shift. I didn't know why I did it. I saw that it happened. Um, and then I saw myself reach the chair and reach out with this hand to pull the chair back. And, and that was when I realized that that was why I had shifted hands. Because that was the hand that had more ease with the pulling of the chair back. And it, it was like, wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that happening in the mind before. So, so, so sometimes that ki- the kind of intention, the reason, even when there's a fair amount of mindfulness, is not necessarily available. But... Um, uh, it can be, you know, it can, it, it, we, can start to, we can start to recognize um, a little bit more about why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and so th- that's just a kind of an encouragement to keep looking at these postural changes because, um, and with any of, the, any of the, um, the tasks that you are actively choosing to do. So this was a reason why I encourage you to pick something where it was something that you initiate. Um, you know, reaching for something or um, standing or uh, clicking send on an email or something that that you are actually initiating so that you can begin over time to maybe start, as you begin to land with that experience, in in my experience, this process around uh, picking some experience to connect with, it's almost as if the mindfulness begins to attune to that experience more and more. And so um, uh, it begins to wake up closer and closer connected to the experience. So in this case, you know, you, you kind of woke up with the standing 
and you know that's part of part of um, how that works is that that you you kind of set the intention to attend to the that experience and you wake up with it. But if you as you keep going with it, what seems to happen too is that the experience or the mindfulness begins to get more interested, or just take in. Let's say take in what's around that experience, what's happening in conjunction with that experience, which includes the intention that precedes it. So, uh, you know, just this kind of orientation around, you know, reaching for something or opening a door, we, we can start to see, oh, I'm getting ready to open that door. And we might even then start to see, um, you know, it, with doorways, what I've heard a lot of, of things happen is that somebody stands up from their desk and immediately their mind like creates or understands the path they're going to go through and they know, oh, that door, that door, that door, that door. I'm going to go through all those doors. And almost in advance, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to go through these doors. And, and so that's a way in which the mindfulness is arising in connection with the task. But then again, sometimes people report, and then I forgot. No. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's like the, so the, the mindfulness starts to get connected with the activity and even things about I'm going to be doing it. So, um, so just, that's just a, a few thoughts around the, uh, the intention piece. And that you didn't notice it. I mean, this is, a, this is a strong piece of you know, kind of seeing the not-self nature of experience. So in a way, it's like you, know, you can see, you know, who did that? Who stood? You know, it, it, it wasn't a conscious choice you made, but it was the process of your body and mind that unfolded. It's not random. And this is another piece that the, the Buddha talked about. It's not random. There are conditions. And many of the conditions that, that lead us to, um, to act are in, in our own minds. Um, so, yeah, just a few thoughts there. The eating process. Um, so in your conversation or your reflection around the eating process, you described a lot around the physicality of eating, the weight on the spoon. Then you talked about like waiting until the thought subsided, um, which supported you. It sounds like it supported you to, uh, to be present with the whole process. And, and that sounds like part of the reason why you did that. You noticed the weight on the spoon and then just waited. Okay. And then started eating. And then you, you it sounds like you really kind of attuned to the activity of the physical sensations of eating, of chewing, of, of swallowing, of feeling it maybe, or wondering about it going down. Um, and so, uh, and you said that that kind of worked through the whole of the, of the, of the meal. Um, that can be a great uh, way to practice uh, that's what I would call that as a kind of, it's more focused in a way you are, it, it sounds like you were kind of directing the attention to those sensations. Um, and I also want to point to the possibility, um, I'll give an example. Um, I was practicing eating meditation uh, and this has happened to me a lot where I'm doing something if you find for so I'll give you a reason why you might want to explore this. If you're if you're working on a particular kind of mindfulness, like with eating or driving or uh, or something, and you notice that you're having trouble staying present, you know the mind keeps wandering off or or something. 
Um, as long as you're, you're staying present and it feels like a, a, a process that the mind is relaxed and comfortable with, that it's um, kind of delighting in the experience and feels some ease around it, then just keep going. But at times the mind will kind of like, what I've seen sometimes uh, practicing in a certain way like that, the mind will just keep wandering. And rather than doubling down and saying, well, this is what I'm supposed to be paying attention to, you know, so I'll pay attention to the, the, the sensations on the mouth and tongue and all of that, um, you might be curious at times about where the mind goes when it wanders. You know, what is it, what is it shifting to? Um, one, at one point I was doing eating meditation. This was at home. I was practicing in daily life and um, doing very what, you, very what you described. You know, noticing the sensations of chewing and swallowing. And, and at that point, that was pretty early in my practice. And I, I thought that's what I was supposed to do when I was being mindful while eating. So mindfulness while eating means paying attention to the eating. I had that kind of idea. And this is, again, the shift kind of like... Um, Sayadaw Utejaniya talks about, like, well, I don't do walking meditation, I practice awareness while walking. Rather than practicing eating meditation, which is more what you describe, you're practicing mindfulness of the eating, we can also practice awareness while eating. And um, so at some point I noticed I was, I was doing mindfulness of eating for a period of time, and the mind kept wandering. It just kept kind of going out. And it's, I, I, at first I get, kept trying to just double down. It's like, no, come back, pay attention to the eating process. Lifting, tasting, chewing, mind would wander. And it happened enough that at some point it's like, well, what's going on? You know, wh- why, what's happening there that the mind is wandering? And so instead of trying to hold my attention on the eating, this is kind of the shift I talked about last night of kind of stepping back to, rather than directing the attention, stepping back and, um, well, what's happening? What else is going on here? That's a, that's a great question, you know. What else is going on here? Where does the mind want to go? And so I, um, I, I kind of let go of the focus on eating and what was going on was that the mind was spacing out. It was, it was just like, um, and so I began to get interested in that process. At first it was kind of like, oh, spacing out, come back. Again, the idea that mindfulness and spacing out, not possible to like have happening together. I kind of believed at, at some level that being spacing out meant I would, was not able to be mindful. But at some point in noticing the kind of the spacing out and then coming back, spacing out and then coming back, um, I thought, well, oh, I'm actually kind of aware of the spacing out. Maybe I can hang there. Maybe I can hover and know that spacing out. And this is one of those diffuse experiences I talked about last night, like the, the Milky Way rather than looking at the stars or knowing the experience of humidity rather than individual drops of water on the skin. Uh, the experience of spacing out is not a precise experience. It's not like a thought or even a clear emotion. It's much more of a vague kind of sense in the mind. And so there was this kind of like hovering in that space of knowing, oh, spacing out. And as I hovered there, as I let my mind be in that space, there was an immediate sense of relaxation and pleasantness and rest. 
And the, the mind understood in that moment as I let it do that and didn't kind of double down and say, come back to paying attention to the eating. The mind was saying, thank you, I needed a rest. And, um, and so I just let it be there for a little while. I think I probably stopped eating. And uh, it, it lasted maybe, you know, 30 seconds. And then that, it was like fog in the mind. It was just like a foggy day. And then the sun comes up and the fog just like dissipated it over the course of the next like few seconds. It's just like. And then there was just this clear present being in the present moment. And eating was a very natural thing to be aware of then. So the instead of um, being mindful of eating, I was aware while eating and the, uh, the awareness kind of began to just naturally take in the experience of eating as opposed to me forcing it. So, so that's just a, if you notice that the mind is wandering in any, in any of these um, kind of more continual, longer activities, um, you can kind of just be a little bit curious about, well, what else is happening here? As opposed to trying to double down and be mindful with whatever it is you think you should be being mindful of. Because the mind has got a lot going on. <laughs> and sometimes it's actually trying to help us. So those are just a few more thoughts. Ways of, I think there's different ways of um, exploring that simply here. Um, I, I mentioned last night this, um, um, in the psychology I've learned these different terms around attention, um, focused attention and open monitoring. Um, and um, I mentioned last night that I think there might be another kind of attention. The, in the open monitoring, in any case, there can be a very broad kind of attention where we're, we're, it's almost like we are, we're not focusing on anything. It feels kind of stepped back and ve- very panoramic. No particular place where the attention really feels like it's landing. And sometimes in that place, the mind is actually in a more, uh, or knowing a more diffuse experience, maybe like awareness, which is a diffuse experience. It can be a diffuse experience. The, the sense of being aware, being present, can be a diffuse kind of experience. Um, it also can be very clear with a particular experience. So um, you mentioned um, that it was easier in some ways to be present when you were in contact with the physicality of your, of your experience. Um, in the in this kind of open monitoring place where you're not kind of narrowing down the focus to body sensations, you can also, rather than trying to stay in some idea of diffuseness, of not landing on anything, be more interested in kind of like, well, where does the attention go next? And how about next? And how about next? And how about next? And so it's not, it's the experience in open monitoring doesn't have to be particularly diffuse. It can be that the attention kind of is like, you know, as you're making your bed, for instance, it's like, oh, there's the pillow I need to put there. And then, oh, there's a sensation as I pull this up. And and so there's this combination of moving into the idea of the next thing I'm going to do and then doing it. And so it, it kind of broadens you to be aware of more than just the physical sensations. But uh, like it's kind of like stepping back from being the driver 
of where the attention is, is narrowed to and seeing if there can be an interest in following the attention. Uh, so in the open monitoring, it may be that the attention is landing on very precise and specific things from moment to moment. So not necessarily a diffuse experience. Um, but that it, it, um, it may move, it may shift from physical to mental to sound to sight. You know, so it could, it could be a, a wide range of, of experience. Um, at one point, Sairo Utejani, I described this to him, the sense of, of following, you know, just kind of s- settling back. And I've sometimes talked about, well, let yourself be in the passenger seat. You know, you're not driving. You're just there and kind of resting and going for a ride in this body and mind and what's going on. Um, but, but allowing the mindfulness to be with it. It's not like you're spaced out on your cell phone in the car. You're actually attentive to w- w- the, the landscape that you're going through. So what is this landscape that this body and mind are going through? And I, so I described this to him. I described this process of like following the awareness, the attention, following the attention. You know, what, where does the attention shift to? Oh, oh, it shifts to that now. And then, and then there's the, the, the thought of the next thing. And then, oh, it goes there. So, so it's, it's seeing how the attention shifts from thing to thing. And he, he kind of laughed and he said, yeah, it's like you're taking a dog for a walk. And, you know, you've got the dog on a leash and the dog is like, you know, it's jumping over here and putting its nose in that and it's going over here and, you know, meeting with these other dogs and it's jumping up and doing all this stuff. He says, your only job is to hold on to the leash. So, you know, let, let the, the, the puppy dog of your mind and body do its thing, but see if you can stay connected to what it's doing in this way of like following the attention. And sometimes I have that image of like following uh, helps me to stay uh, connected. And so there is this place where on, on Sunday I talked about seeing, looking, hearing, listening. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that is essentially a shift of attention. Mm-hmm. So it might, that's maybe going from more diffuse seeing to a more precise seeing, but it is a kind of a place where the attention shifts from one experience to another. And then it might see something else and see something else and see something else. Uh, that's, a, that's a beginning to recognize this factor of attention, shifting from thing to thing. And so this is a very similar kind of thing not not necessarily um, you know in a particular field like seeing or hearing, but just in the mind. Where's the next place that the attention wants to go? And as you get familiar with that experience, of it, there, there's just kind of like the mind lets go of one thing and shifts to another thing. Oh, let's go of that and shifts to another thing. And often it's prompted by an idea or a thought in the mind. And as we can watch this happen, you know, this is actually one of the key ways that the mind wanders. When the attention shifts to something and we're not aware of it, that's where the mind wanders. And so if you can kind of get, get familiar with that experience of, oh, shift, oh, shift, and not fight it or try to hold it anywhere, that's a, that's a great training, especially for daily life practice. Yeah. Well, so the question of, um, as the, you see that you've lost the leash of the dog, you've lost it, and waking up a few moments later, perhaps, maybe not very long later, but waking up basically into planning, and what's the next step? Um, and I think you pointed to a kind of a, oh, there's planning, and, you know, kind of trying to shift away from it. 
You know, it depends for me. I mean, what, what I, I, I actually am pretty, um, at this point, pretty much just interested in, oh, the mind is planning. Okay, that's what's going on. Let's see what's happening around that. Oh, there's a little bit of anxiety or there's, oh, there's interest. Um, so it's, it's, it's really um, not necessarily trying to stop it or say, oh, planning, that's not about mindfulness. Let me come here. I mean, you've actually woken up and know that you're planning. You're, you're mindful of it in that moment of the, of, the, of the mindfulness returning. And so exploring, letting the mindfulness infuse that experience. We need to plan in daily life. If we have to think about planning not being something we can be mindful of, it's like whole chunks of our day are off limits for mindfulness. So, you know, in daily life, I want to encourage not necessarily letting it go, but, oh, planning, okay, what's going on? And and, and maybe the 50-50 mindfulness here of there's the content of what I'm thinking about planning and, oh, maybe there's a little tension or maybe there's some excitement, or maybe there's some delight, or maybe there's some fear. You know, what's going on around it? There's information here to, to be available. If I see I'm planning something that's like just a fantasy, then I'll probably let it go. You know, it's like, yeah, that is not relevant to my life. You know, that, that whole complex. It's like, yeah, that one I can let go of. Um, but often what I look at is how much, how much like, tightening or tension there is in the mind. Um, and, and I trust often, in my own experience, I trust as I recognize. Um, so often I'll find like one of my really common things to wake up into is a focusing in the mind that just seems to be like, oh, got to do something. And it's like, it's a habit. It's, uh, it's a little bit painful it's a little bit unpleasant. It doesn't actually seem to be doing anything except like thinking it needs to focus. <laughs> and, um, you know, I used to at the beginning of this process of seeing this, and you know, I've been looking at this probably for a couple years now. Uh, it's very strongly conditioned pattern of mind to focus on things. Um, and so, you know, seeing it, at first it was kind of like I could see it, I could feel the tension of it, and I could, did have a capacity to kind of like, oh, let's soften that, that's let, let's let, let that go. And I would often get a, a little bit of a rush of pleasantness as that happened. Um, and then as I kept going with it, I realized that I had some kind of um, um, view that this focusing quality in the mind was um, bad and that I was supposed to be doing something else. And when I noticed that, I started just recognizing, oh, okay, well, the mind is focusing right now. Let's see what it's doing. And sometimes it would actually, you know, just release itself as opposed to me releasing it out of the idea that it was somehow bad. And so just the, 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 and that actually has been much more of a, of a, of a learning. There's, you know, that's when a learning process started to happen around this focusing experience in the mind is when I stopped trying to redirect or stop it, but just like, oh, here it's happening. Okay. Oh yeah. A little bit unpleasant. Whew, okay. And then it's, it's like, it just released. And it's like, well, I don't even know what it thought it was doing because it never did anything, but, but it released 
and um, and there was this kind of so to me it feels more like that that's the mind learning about its pattern itself as opposed to me having some idea about what's helpful and not helpful you know I think in some ways that little movement around oh this is happening let me go here it was a little about both greed and aversion a little greed for that feeling of that release the pleasure of that release and a little bit of aversion for the you know the idea that this was somehow not what I was supposed to be doing so so um yeah I mean the 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 waking up into planning uh, I think it 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 if it's something that actually needs to happen, see if you can explore infusing that with some degree of mindfulness. It is possible to be mindful of anything. You want me to be recording? Okay. Good point. <laughs> so, um, let's see if I can remember where to start. Um, oh, right. So, the, in the... In the um, um, attending to physical sensations directing the attention we can be very focused on that and uh, it almost can exclude other things Tanasaro Bhikkhu gave an analogy at one point about um, um, meditation he said you know you, you might have a candle in the middle of a room and you could look right at the candle focus right on the candle and not see anything else or you could become aware of how that candle lights up the whole room and mindfulness works in this kind of way that, you know, we can focus and it can be very narrow, but we can also kind of have that kind of attention there, but relax a little bit and see what else is illuminated. I like that. Yeah. So I'll actually record this <laughs> just in case somebody listens today. Um, this evening, I would like to do a guided meditation at the beginning and I was thinking of doing it this morning, but there weren't enough people here uh, until I think it was like 15 minutes in. So I would like to do it. So I'll start at the beginning and um, you know, hopefully more people will be able to kind of arrive uh, for the beginning of the, of the sitting. So it's a, it's a kind of an exploration of expanding the awareness to take in these broader, more diffuse kinds of experiences. So it's a, it's a support for that part of the of what we've been talking about